Um, is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your life? You have to settle that question, don't you? I mean, that is the fundamental question of, of life. Is Jesus Lord? Because it says in Romans, if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when someone is immersed in Christ, they're always asked that question, and that is, is Jesus Lord? And right before Jesus went back into heaven, he told us this commission. He, he gave us some marching orders, and these were the marching orders. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the, to the, end of the age." So if Jesus is Lord, and we've all agreed upon that, and then he tells us to go, well, then we need to go, right? And you've seen this acronym before. Uh, I want to make it personal. Uh, and so here's the acronym of I go, because we should be able to go. And the first uh, I stands for intentional. We need to be intentional in the way that we live our lives and all all of our lives should reflect the glory of God or the, the really the lordship of Jesus are you with me on that the way we live should reflect who who we what we belong to and so we have to be intentional in the way that we live our lives and then we have to be generous uh that's the, for the g on i go because i have been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ now lives in me in the life i live i live by faith and so i want to be generous in the way we use our lives. Why? Because we are to use our lives for his glory. That's the bottom line. Not for our kingdom, not for our, our little belly wig over here or, here, or this is in my wheelhouse over here. No, we are to be generous. So intentional and generous. And here's the one that really sticks in sometimes our, our heart. And that is we have to be opportunistic. Uh, we have to be opportunistic in the way we risk our lives. You, you know where I'm going with that? We, we have to be opportunistic in the way we risk our lives because being involved in other people's lives is risky, right? It's messy. It's uncertain. At the end of the day, you might be a hero or you might be a goat, right? Because trying to be opportunistic for Jesus, for his kingdom, being involved in other people's lives is risky. And it may be received and it may well be rejected. That's not up to you. That's up to them. But Jesus tells us to go. I go. So we've personalized it. We're, gonna, we're going to be intentional in the way we live our lives. We're going to be generous the way we use our lives, and we're also going to be opportunistic even though it carries risk with it. Our text today is going to take us really into the very heart of God. You know, we've been in the book of Luke and we're coming to the famous passage. I think uh, it was, uh, who, who's the guy that wrote Scrooge or one? Dickens. He said that this short story about the prodigal son in particular is the greatest short story ever written. Now that's the guy's opinion, but it is. It's so packed full of stuff, you know. But the two other before it aren't bad either. 
And so it's known as the lost chapter of the Bible. So you can impress your friends and say, I, I found the lost chapter of the Bible because it's all about three lost things. In fact, that's the next fill in the blank. Not fill in the blank, but just slide. Luke 15 is about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And I know that we're going to cover a lot of ground, and I could take three sermons and, and really dial in on each, but, but that's not the purpose of today. Today's the 30,000-foot the view, because we need to understand that all the parables are actually three stories, but only one principle. You know, it, it's the same kind of story, just different varieties. And there are little nuances that we could focus in on, but, you know, the three parables are very famous. There's a lost sheep. You know, the shepherd is going to lose one out of a uh, hundred. He's going to leave the 99. We have the lost coin. A woman has 10 coins and she loses one and she turns her house upside down until she finds it. And then we have the lost son. And, and I don't know why it's called the prodigal son because the word prodigal just means wasteful. He was the wasteful son. I always thought it should have been called the repentant son, right? Because that's what his life really goes to. He starts, he starts to repent. But it's called the prodigal son, the wasteful son. And, but again, uh, it's, it's, uh, he's received back. The, the sheep is found. The coin is found. The son returns. And it's party time and in, on all three parables, right? But to unlock the, the parables, uh, the principle is found in verse 1 and 2. So you're, you're in Luke. Let's, let's read Luke chapter 15. Let's read the first two verses. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Uh, the word receive in the Greek really is a strong word. It means to embrace. Jesus embraced the sinner, okay? And you know that eating 2,000 years ago was a very intimate affair because we didn't have knives and forks and separate plates, you know, where they ate out of the same bowl, so there's a little double dipping going on. And, and so it was a very intimate experience, and you only ate with those people that you really wanted to associate. Now, remember, two weeks ago, Jesus was at a Pharisee's house eating, and now they're grumbling because he's eating with sinners. You know, they might have had a little notch on their belt saying, look, uh, we got Jesus to eat with us. And then two weeks later, or two weeks later to us, he's eating with sinners, and they're like, hey, you can't do that. They're grumbling because Pharisees and self-righteous people, they don't really care about the sinner. They don't care about the lost and the downtrodden. And what's so amazing, if you want to read into the text a little, Jesus is treating the sinners like family. That's the key. He's treating them like family. And they could care less about the sinners and they could care less that they were on the outside looking in and Jesus welcomed sinners. Let, let, let the gravity of that statement sink into your very spirit that Jesus welcomed sinners. So let's get to our parables. Parable number one. 
What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. You can kind of start to see that Jesus is directing these parables against the Pharisees. And he starts off with a parable just a few sentences long, and it really gets to the heart of the matter, and it is addressed really to the boys, to the men in the crowd. We all, you know, we understand shepherding. But then he's going to tell a story for the women. So continue on. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Verse 9, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So he's told a story for the men. He's told a story for the women. Now he's going to tell a different story. It has a little more nuance to it because the Pharisees are in the parable. So let's go on. And he said, verse 11, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. In other words, dad, dad drop dead. I mean, you're reading between the lines a little. That's what he's saying. I want my inheritance. And he divided his, and amazingly, the, the, the father did. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, climate change, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And you understand that to a Jewish man, to eat the slop of pigs would be the most lowest degrading thing that you could do. You're not even supposed to touch a pig, let alone you're longing to eat the very slop that the pigs are eating. But verse 17, I just love, uh, if you can underline it, when he came to himself, when he came to himself, when he got in his right mind and started to remember the goodness of his father, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? And I perish here with hunger. And I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt, I don't know what your version says, but mine says what? Compassion. The father felt compassion for his, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He didn't wait for the son to get here with his foot tapping, hand on hip, waiting for a lecture. 
he ran towards his son and embraced him. Same word that Jesus received sinners. He embraced him and kissed him and said, and the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So far, it's just like the other parables. The lost son is, is returned. Now it turns a corner. Now his older son was in the field, and he, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your father has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Oh, his brother came home and his father has killed the fattened calf. But he was angry and refused to go in. And his father came and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. He doesn't even want to celebrate with his dad. He just wants to celebrate with his friends. But when this son of yours came, you can hear the distaste in, in his words, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Verse 31, he said, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive and he was lost and is found. Jesus tells these three parables and they all have the same point. And here's the principle. Lost people matter to God. That's the, that's the simple point, you know. We can elaborate on the coin and all that and we will in a moment. You know, the sheep and the son, but basically the bottom line principle is lost people matter to God. See, they didn't matter to the Pharisees and the self-righteous and the religious and all the ones that thought they were so right with God. No, lost people matter to God. And, and notice too that the, the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, the scribes are grumbling because Jesus embraces and hangs out with the sinners. But they didn't grumble when they were, he was at his house, the Pharisee's house. And notice too, and here's the next slide, God's love, and that's agape, you know, unconditional love is action-based. His love caused him to seek those who were lost. And that's part of every parable too. They took action to try to do something to find the lost sheep, the lost coin. And the father did what he could for his son, but his son was in rebellion and his son had to choose to come home. That's why verse 17 is so important. When he came to his sentence, but you notice the father was ready to receive him. And so the father has given independence, self-free will to the child. Although the father wants the child back, the child has to decide, just like every person on earth has to decide whether they want God in their life or not. 
God wants every, you know, the Bible says he desires all men to be saved. God doesn't, see, people are already on their way to hell. Jesus has entered into our world to save us from hell. Therefore, he's not sending anybody. God's love is action-based. So here's the core value. God loves people, so we love people. Right? God loves people, so we love people. And in these three parables, you'll notice that each item that is lost is really a condition of the people of our world today. Sheep are ignorant. Can we say stupid and dumb? They're helpless. They're directionless. They'll follow the sheep right off the edge of a cliff. They're the only animal that sometimes can fall down into a little hole and they can't get up. And they will eat themselves to death if given a chance. You know, if, if you've got a, a yard uh, and, and you're putting hay out and you put too much hay out, they will eat themselves to death. They will bloat up and they will kill themselves. And so sheep are the few animals that, that are like that except for when it comes to us human beings. We're like that too. Sheep represent all the people who are ignorant about God's love and his care. They're the kinds of people who are so caught up in their own dysfunction that they're helpless. They, they, they don't even know which way to go. They can see where they need to go, but they're helpless to move in that direction. So sheep and people are a pretty good metaphor of to explain who God is searching for. He's searching for the people that are caught up in dysfunction. Millions have never heard of Jesus, and millions have heard of Jesus, but a, a, not a true representation of Jesus. And they're ignorant, like a sheep is ignorant. There are people that are just ignorant. And you know people like that, right? They are their own worst enemy, right? You know people like that. They don't know how dysfunctional they are. They don't know how to make a good decision, but it seems like they make bad decisions readily. They seem clueless about what life really is about. That's sheep, man. They need God and they don't even know it and they just wander off following the crowd over the cliff and they kill their heart with bad coping devices. Let me say that again. They kill their heart with bad coping devices because they don't know any better. Why would a person take illicit drugs? Does that make, does that, why would, why would men go have sex with other men? Why would, he goes, don't you understand the risk? They don't, no, they're ignorant. They are ignorant. Now, so here are the conditions of the lost items. And I have a slide, you can jot this down somewhere if you want to. The sheep are ignorant and helpless. They're, they're, they're ignorant and helpless, and, and like so many people today. And like so many people today, the coin is inanimate. Like so many people today are spiritually dead. They don't even know that God really exists and loves them. They just think it's a fable or they put, tucked it away somewhere in their worldview, but they operate as if God does not exist. Do you know people that actually say, yeah, I think I believe in God, but they actually operate as if God does not exist, right? They're spiritually dead. That's why people have to be born again. 
That's what it says in John. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born from above. You gotta be born from the second Adam, not the first Adam, because if you're only born from the first Adam, all you have is a sinful nature, but you need a Christ-like nature. And therefore, the coin represents the inanimate and the dead. And then the third parable represents other people in our world today, the wicked and the rebellious, just like the son is wicked and rebellious. There are people today, oh, they know God exists, but they are wicked and rebellious and they're going to do everything in their power to give the finger to God. You know what I'm saying? A lost sheep, then a lost coin, and then a lost son. And again, his own lostness is a result of himself. So dumb and ignorant and helpless, senseless, spiritually dead and lifeless, wicked and rebellious. All three parables describe the conditions of the lost people in our world today. The Pharisees, the self-righteous, the self-centered people could care less about the lost, but to find the lost is the joy of heaven. Did you realize that? Did, did you notice joy, joy, joy came up several times when the lost was found? In fact, all the parables have the same structure. Lost, seek, find, rejoice. Lost, seek, find, rejoice. Lost, seek, find, rejoice. It's the same structure in all three. But catch the irony of the stories because they are directed towards the self-righteous Pharisees. Story number one, do you know the worst occupation in Israel besides being a, a sinner and a, and a beggar was to be a shepherd? A shepherd was so low on the economic scale in Israel that some would not even consider your testimony valid in a court of law because shepherds are so lowly valued in that society. And quite frankly, children were a lot of the shepherds. Where was David when all his brothers were being looked at to be possible king? Oh, he was out in the sheepfold. Why? Because he was a young boy, a young man. See, you don't need any skill to watch over sheep. <laughs> you don't need a lot of skill, right? But to find the lost is the joy of heaven, and it is the joy of the Lord. And on this scale, the doctors, the lawyers, the Pharisees would basically turn their nose up at them. And that's the irony that you see in the text. And that is when Jesus says, what man among you if he has a hundred sheep? In other words, Jesus is saying, pretend that you're a shepherd, O doctor. Pretend. Even the lowest person in society knows to go seek the lost. Do you? That's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, and pretend now that, oh man, that you're a woman. Oh, that's, that's kind of degrading too. And he says, and a woman has the sense to look for the lost. What about you, oh doctor? And Jesus is really offending them because pretend that you're a despised shepherd. Pretend that you're a woman. <gasps> Gasp! Wouldn't you know what to do? You seek the lost and you being religious leaders do not lift a finger to look for the lost. Even the lowest person in society, even the least respected person in society would know what to do. 
And there are sinners in your midst and you don't do anything to them or for them. So in the first two parables, the Pharisees don't appear as a character, but in the third one, there are. They're gonna show up as part of the story. The son who stayed home and grumbled at his father's grace. Now Jesus moves them from 100 to one, 10 to one, now two sons to one son. And so, and the value is going up. A shepherd, a sheep, okay, has some value. A coin has more value. A son has great value in that society. And so Jesus is moving them. So let's look a little closer back on this parable with, with even the coin. It says, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Now the floors were made out of hardened dirt, right? Maybe some stones, some cracks, some dust. You get a broom, you light a lamp, and you search diligently for it. Now, most people bartered back then. There wasn't a lot of coinage circulating around in, in society. Everybody bartered. So these 10 coins were very, very precious to her. Part because they might have been her dowry. You know, part of the dowry that, that the man paid. And sometimes they wore them in their hair and in a head necklace. Uh, sometimes in a purse for safekeeping, but because of carelessness or some other reason, it gets lost. The point is, is that it was very, very valuable to this woman. And Jesus in the text doesn't say if she finds it, he says when she finds it. She is not going to stop looking until she finds it, right? And the image paints the story that Jesus is looking for the lost, the valuable, precious people in the cracks, in the dust, in the dump bins of life. And he's looking for them. And so when we asked earlier, is Jesus your Lord? You said, yes. And then you say, he commanded you to go. And we said, yes, we're going to live our lives intentionally. We're going to use whatever our lives has for being generous to people so that we can be opportunistic and risk and to seek out the lost because God loves them. God definitely loves them. The man demanding his inheritance, again, drop dead, dad. So many people in our world are angry with God right now. Do you know that? Have you sensed in our society, in our culture, in our little town that people are just now mad all the time? There's more, been more shootings this month than I, I remember in the longest time. Road rage, there was a th three-year-old girl that was shot, right, in our town, and they think it was connected to road rage. It's just like, why are people so angry? There's just anger out there. Well, partly it's because they can't see hope. And that really, eventually, you have to be angry at somebody, and you're going to be angry with God. And that's where they were. They are just angry, and for many different reasons. You know, some people are angry with God because maybe they weren't able to have a baby or maybe, you know, this person passed away and they weren't supposed to or at least that's what you thought or this person got cancer or you didn't get the job. You got demoted, in fact, or you lost your job. And there's all sorts of reasons that people can be angry with God. The sheep, was they were lost because of their own stupidity. 
The coin was lost because of carelessness, but the son was lost because of his own wickedness and rebellion. And again, verse 17 is the key. When he came to himself, I will set out, I will go, I will say. And see, repentance involves action. You can't just say I repent. There has to be action connected to it. And so here's that core value again. God loves people, so we love people even when it doesn't end well. And that's what we're all feeling this, this week. Pouring our, our life into an individual and it didn't end well. And yet God did not say, well, you get a pass on this and none of us regret helping, do we? No, we don't regret all the prayers that were prayed over him. We don't regret any of that because that's not our pay grade. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're called to just love because people are lost and they need a savior. They need a way out. They need hope. It's not up to them, uh, up to us to make them change their heart, but it is up to us to continue to love them and love them to Jesus. Are you with me on that? And so therefore that, that is the bottom line. As followers of Christ, we, we are intentional in the way we live our lives. We are generous in the way we use our lives. And then we're opportunistic even if there's risk involved. In fact, there's always going to be risk. Always. So the bottom line is God did a good work in us so that we could do a good work in others. Even if it doesn't end well. And so I, I, I know that, that uh, I might have missed a slide or two. And I apologize. But the next slide Heather is you can't pay Jesus back but you can pay it forward right to someone else in his name we think about our lives and we think about the blessings that we have and we think about how many times Jesus saved our bacon right and then we question God why didn't you show up on Sunday night well maybe he was Maybe he was there. Maybe he was using all of us in, in a way that, but again, that's an individual choice. As much as we love, there can be that risk. And we can't pay Jesus back for what we have, but we can pay it forward. And, and the last slide is this, loving people look for opportunities to love others to Christ. And I think we did that. I really do whether at Bible study or men's group or worship here or out in the lobby, we loved people that were lost. And therefore, we leave everything into God's hands, don't we? We're not gonna sit in judgment. We're gonna say, there go I by the grace of God, right? But our heart hurts, but it doesn't mean that we can't stop risking the lost still matter. And some will be saved and others will be lost, but that's on them. And our job is to love people where they're at and to lovingly tell them the truth. And that's where we can say, yes, Lord, we, we did what you asked. But that core principle is there in Luke. We, we have, we can't, you know, as our, our society starts to crumble a little, we kind of, we, we pull in, don't we? 
It's like a turtle. You know, sometimes we're just turtles. Something's going on in the world, and what do we do? We pull in our head, we pull in our feet, pull in our, and, and the, the hind feet, and we wait until it's safe again, right? And God says, go, go to a culture that is crazy. And, you know, you, you just see some things in the news, and you just shake your head, and, and you're just like, wow, what world do I live in? And uh, I, I don't know anymore, but I know Jesus, and that's what gets me through. But I want others to have that peace as well. And that's what you want too, as a follower of Christ. Are we perfect at it? No. So should we beat ourselves up over it? No. Should we say, Lord, forgive me and let me love the person that's in front of me today? and the person you bring in front of me tomorrow, because lost people matter to God. Even when it doesn't end well. Even when it doesn't end well. We still have the charge to go and not get gun shy anymore to continue to love people because they're ignorant and they're stupid and they're in rebellion and they're spiritually dead. But we still go, we go in love. Father God, I thank you for allowing this passage to come up today. You've orchestrated so many things through the preaching, through the book of Luke have been so spot on with so many things in our lives and we just come to you today tired hurt a little beat up broken used and yet we're in the center of your will and that's where we need to be to go to the lost that need to hear the good news they have a Father that loves them in heaven and has provided a way to spend all of eternity with them. So we thank you for this charge again to be intentional, to be generous, and to be opportunistic. Father, we thank you for this message. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.